With something to be excited about, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you happy about your salvation? Okay, good, because I was going to have to ask the radio. I was going to ask everybody on the radio right now, and we wouldn't have heard them. I'm happy about my salvation, because God has gotten me through quite a bit in my life. He's rescued me from myself many times. He's answered my prayers. He's been a comfort and a strength to me. He's shown himself faithful. His promise to never leave or forsake me is true. He's never left or forsaken me. His promise that he's going to complete what he finished, well, he's doing the work of completion even as I speak. And what's true for me as a believer is true for you. God is going to continue the work that he's done, and he wants you to be a part of greater works. This is amazing grace. We are delighted to be with you today and welcome once again to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Ed is leading a study of the Gospel of John right now, and you're about to hear the second half of a message called Salvation is Very Important to God, based in the 14th chapter. After the message, be sure to check out our featured resource, Beautiful People Just Don't Happen, available online at calvaryco.store. Here's Pastor Ed. There's a battle in our lives between belief and unbelief, between trust and doubt. It happens to all of us, all of the time, for some of us more than others. Where you get a promise of God and you believe it, and then time passes and then you doubt it. Then you come back and God gives you a promise and time passes and you're praying and praying and praying and there's no answer. And you begin to doubt and you wonder. That's the human condition. But the answer to the issue in your life is to trust the Lord. The reason there's a battle is simply because what you believe dictates how you behave. What you and I believe dictates how you behave. You know what that means? That means that if you give me enough time to observe your life, to watch you, I can tell you what you believe just by the way you act. Uh, listening to you talk, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I could tell. Just give me enough time to watch your life. You have enough time to watch my life. You'll tell me what I believe. You'll tell me, you, you can tell me what I believe about the Bible. You can tell me what I believe about what God has to say about a matter. You know, putting it a more personal level, if you would allow me access for one week to your online banking transactions, or if you're still old school to your checkbook, spending a little bit of time in your checkbook or your online banking, I can tell you what you believe about what God says about the money entrusted to your care. I could tell you. I could tell you what the priorities of your life are. I can tell you how you use your money. I can tell you whether you believe that giving to God is important. I can tell you if you believe of giving to someone in need is important. I can tell you if you believe that God's money is more for you than for us. I could tell a lot about, as well as you could tell about me, by examining how I use the money entrusted to my care, what I believe about what God says about the money. Whether you give to the Lord or not, how you give, when you give, how much you give, that would tell a lot. 
The devil knows this. The devil knows that if you really believe what you read and hear from God, if you really week after week take seriously the Bible being taught to you, if you really take it to heart and put it into action, you will be a powerful force for Jesus Christ on the earth today. But if you don't, you'll be a wishy-washy hypocrite, Christian in name only. The devil knows that. So what does he do? And it makes sense that he would do this. He is constantly tempting us with distractions away from the word of God. Believe this over here. Look at this over there. Doubt God there. As you open up the Bible in the very beginning of the Bible, as God begins to unveil the history of salvation and his heart toward men and women. Genesis opens up with the creation account, literal six days of creation, a literal seventh day of rest. A literal Adam, a literal Eve, a literal devil right there in the beginning. And you can count it no less than 11 times in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, we learn that God said 11 times. Let me tell you, let me share that with you 11 times. You ready? God said, God said, God said, God said, God said. God said, God said, God said, God said. God said, God said. What did I just say? You learned it. It took 11 times, but you got it. God, when he repeats things, he doesn't waste his time and he doesn't waste the pages. He repeats it for a reason. The very beginning of human history has the emphasis upon God the creator speaking forth. God said, God, over and over and over again. So doesn't it make sense in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, that it says this, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? Her answer could have been 11 times, he said. (laughs) But the devil comes right at it. Do you really believe the Bible? Do you really believe? Did God really say that? Are you sure? Are you positive? That's why Jesus is so continually ministering to us, reminding us to be men and women of the word and to trust what God says, to trust him at his word. I I think of the passage in scripture where Paul is writing to husbands in Ephesians chapter five, and he says this, husbands, you wash your wives with the water of the word. Now that's not just a responsibility for husbands. I believe it's very much given to us an example by Jesus himself as he washes his bride with the water of the word to renew your mind. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. That's where faith comes from. So when you distance yourself from the word of God, you are far less prone to believe it and live it in your life. And that's the issue. Jesus says, believe in me, believe me, believe me. Most assuredly, notice verse 12, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, well, that's good. The person that believes in me, what will happen to the person that believes in him? The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do. That the father may be glorified in the son. And if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And if you love me, Keep my commandments. What a promise. If you believe me, you're going to do the works that I do and you're going to do greater works. You're like, yes, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing on the earth today. 
I want to be on mission with you. I want to go with you. I want to go where you tell me. I want to do what you're doing. I believe you, Lord. I believe you that if I share the gospel with my mom, you'll use that. I believe you. I believe that if I invite my friend to a, to a resurrection service, even if they don't show up, I believe you that you're going to work and you're going to hold them accountable, that little card I put. I believe you, Lord. I want to be a part of all that you're doing. I believe that if I pray, you'll answer me. I believe you, Lord. I believe you. I believe you. And those things don't happen when you don't believe him, do they? When you don't trust him in his word. Haven't you found that the circumstances of life can be so difficult and so hard? You could say that the circumstances of life, they scream for attention. They can consume a person. The sorrows of life, the pains of life, a recent divorce, you got laid off, tension in the home, a backslidden kid, a sense of singleness that you really aren't wanting. I mean, I can go on and on with a list. You could share your own list of the circumstances that scream, scream, throbbing, just like throbbing pain, and you feel it. You go to sleep with it. You dream nightmares about it. You wake up with it, and they scream. And if we're not careful, we will only hear the screams of circumstances and allow the circumstances to drown out the still, small voice of the Lord. I couldn't help but think of Mary and Martha. Remember Mary? She was at the feet of Jesus while Martha was in the kitchen. And Martha's a little upset, you know, tell my sister to come and help me. I've got a special guest, you know, and he's, she's bossing Jesus around. But Mary's there at so close, so intimate with Jesus that even if Jesus decided to whisper to her, she could hear him. And that's where you want to be. Because Jesus said that Mary chose the better part. That's where we belong. That, yeah, let the circumstances of life scream. They will to all of us. But let it not distract us from being in the place to hear the still, small voice. That's what happened with Elijah. Elijah was on the run, discouraged and just beat up. And he ran away and all kinds of signs and all kinds of things were happening. And the Bible says the Lord wasn't in that earthquake. The Lord wasn't in that thunder. But there was the Lord in the still, small voice. You know, when I look at these greater things in this promise, we think of the things that Jesus did. He helped people. He healed people. I mean, man, I want to be a part. I would love to see, I'd love to be a part of the feeding of the 5,000, wouldn't you? That must have been a mind blower. We're just food after food. You know, we've had a lot of events here that we've served thousands of people, and I've never seen hamburgers multiply on the grill, ever. I've always seen the guys pull them out of boxes. We've always had to run to the store to get more. I, I haven't been up. I'd love to see that. I'd love, I was on the way home uh, from our trip this, just this week, and I was listening to Adventures and Odyssey, and they were dramatizing the book of Acts, and they got to that place where Peter comes, and he tells that guy, silver and gold I don't have, but get up, rise up, and walk. I would like to be a part of that. I mean, when I'm praying for people, anoint them with oil, according to James, when you're to come to the elders of the church, man, I believe that God's going to work. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see what God wants to do. I'd love to hear. We prayed for a sister last night. I'd love to hear her say, hey, man, the Lord healed me. I'm like, yes, I got to be a part of that. And on occasion, we are. But with such a great promise, there's a lot of controversy and confusion about, about this. What are the greater works? In some segments of the church, they define greater works as signs and wonders. 
And so they create all kinds of services around crazy signs and wonders and gold dust falling from the ceiling and feathers showing up. I mean, it's bizarrity, laughing in the spirit and barking like dogs. And like, oh, those are the greater works. I don't think so. Some people look at this and say, well, greater works, that was just a promise to the first century church. That's not really for us now. It was for the first century church to get them established. That can't possibly be true because if that's true for that verse, then it has to be true for everything else Jesus said in chapter 14. So that can't be possible. It's not just for the first century. It's for every believer of every age. Some people look at this and say, well, hey, if you want to have great works in your life, then what you need is faith, but you need the right kind of faith. And then that would lead to the question, well, what kind of faith? And then they'll often respond, well, I can sell you the right kind of faith if you give me an... And that's all nonsense. Let me ask you a question. What's the greatest work that's ever taken place on planet Earth as it relates to men and women? Salvation. And I believe this is a statement of salvation, both for the early church and for us today that the greater works that we're going to be a part of is a wave of salvation in our midst. Salvation, yes. The, if we leave the physical realm for a moment, which we should, because the whole context of chapter 14 is the spiritual realm, getting our eyes heavenly-minded, being prepared for what's up ahead with our eyes firmly fixed on the goal, which is heaven, not being satisfied here, but being satisfied there in his presence, The greatest work to ever occur on the earth is salvation. Wouldn't you say that's the greatest work that's ever taken place in your life personally? You got saved. You got rescued. You were delivered. God transformed your life, your family, the way you look at the world. You're no longer a pain in society, but you're helping people. You're loving people. You're doing things now that if, you know, you told your friends you hung out with years ago, they go, what? You're doing what? Where? What? You're still alive? And you're like, yes, because Jesus Christ saved my soul. And I'm alive today because Jesus is alive. And if you want to experience true life, you need to come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, man. Repent of your sins. Are you happy about your salvation? Is there anyone in this room happy about their salvation? Okay, good, because I was going to have to ask the radio. I was going to ask everybody on the radio right now, and we wouldn't have heard them. I'm happy about my salvation. Because God has gotten me through quite a bit in my life. He's rescued me from myself many times. He's answered my prayers. He's been a comfort and a strength to me. He's shown himself faithful. His promise to never leave or forsake me is true. He's never left or forsaken me. His promise that he's going to complete what he finished, well, he's doing the work of completion even as I speak. And what's true for me as a believer is true for you. God is going to continue the work that he's done, and he wants you to be a part of greater works. You know, in the early church, just consider this. All the three years of ministry of Jesus, and within two months, the disciples are going to experience more salvations than Jesus did the entire three years that he was on the earth. They're going to see 3,000 people get saved in one instant, in one moment, let alone thousands and thousands. Within 300 years of the time of Jesus, the entire Roman Empire, pagan temples were torn down, and Christianity has taken root throughout the entire Roman Empire. Greater works. 
That's why you still pray for your mom. That's why you still pray for your dad. That's why you still pray for your sister. That's why you're still praying for your coworker. That's why there's hope. When you're walking into a situation, you know there's hope. Why? Because you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Greater works. That's what Jesus promises us, to be a part of what he's doing. Listen to this. You may have forgotten, but listen. I say to you, Jesus says, this is so amazing. Likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents over 99 just persons that need no repentance. Heaven explodes at the salvation of a soul. As should we. I hope we don't take it for granted. Oh, yeah, you know, God saves people. Yeah, it's the greatest work that we see on the earth today. That God would take a person that's so lost, so caught in darkness, so anti-God, and in an instant, in a moment, they are so pro-God living their life to please their creator. It's so amazing. The work of Jesus in and through his church continues today. Greater things we get to see because Jesus is in our lives. Now notice this in verse 13. He says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Again, this is often misused and misapplied. This isn't some blanket statement. You can ask God for anything and he'll give it to you. Like you can command God, God, I'm asking you for a million dollars in Jesus' name. And then you go down to Chase Bank. You go, oh, well, I'm checking my account. Where's my money? Listen, you can't ask your selfish ambitions toward God in Jesus' name and expect him to meet your selfish ambitions. He won't. He won't. Now, I mean, if you need a million bucks to reach a whole people group in Africa, I think God, that's a prayer that God would answer. But if you need a million bucks so you can have your future secure or, you know, you just want a million bucks to spend however you want. You know, Lord, I just need a nice BMW. I am sick of my Yugo with three wheels and no steering wheel. Now, some of you have to go way back for the Yugo, but you understand. Look it up. Google it, kids. You'll figure it out. You go, what is he talking about? Just Google it. Just Siri. Hey, what's a Yugo? It'll show you a picture of a really ugly car. <laughs> you, know, you, you can't be selfish with the Lord. Why? Because he says, he qualifies it. If you ask anything, whatever you ask, verse 13, in my name. That's not just baptizing our own selfish desires with, oh, in Jesus' name. This has great meaning. To ask in someone's name is to ask in their character and in their authority. So if you're asking something according to the will of God, man, then you're on the right path. If you're asking something according to your own will, selflessly trying to command God like you're in control, listen, you learn very early in the Bible, from the very beginning, Genesis 1-1, God is God and you are not. And you never will be. And when you ask, you're asking for things that will glorify the Father. That's where your heart needs to be. He says in verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And here's another, it's kind of batched together in verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Walking in obedience. So let me ask you this as we head out. When was the last time you asked for greater works to be done in your life? I mean, very specifically, God, I want to be a part of these greater works. I want, to, I want to be a part of what you're doing on the earth today. Some of you have a missionary calling. When's the last time you prayed for that? Some of you have a calling just to, to be faithful in your home. When's the last time you prayed for that? 
When's the last time you prayed in such a huge way, God, do beyond what I could even think or ask? I just want to be in a place where you get all the glory. You get all the attention. I I could tell you, though, in circumstances, I go back and forth in this area in my life. I go back and forth. Because I can get really, really discouraged by the circumstances currently in my life, outside of my control. And I'll be crying out to the Lord, and then if I'm not careful, I'll get really self-centered. And you guys know, some of you, self-centeredness is not a good place to be. There's no hope in self. You need somebody outside of yourself. That's where hope and help comes from. So I'll pray, and then I'll, I'll just be trying to get out of a ditch, you know? I'll just be trying to pray myself out of a ditch, and, and it's good to pray that way, but then I'll get out of the ditch, and I'll go to the mountaintop, and I'll start praying for great and mighty things in my life, and then some circumstance will come, and boom, and I'll be reminded of my city. And, and I don't know if, that's, if it's just me, but I totally get, I totally get this admonition to focus my prayer, make sure I'm not just praying for myself and I'm just, I'm praying for my situation and I'm not, but there are times when, when I need to be praying for great things in your life. I need to be praying for great things so I see prayer requests that you put into the boxes come through and I pray for them. I pray for great things in your life. I pray that God would deliver you from the discouragement. God would deliver you from the difficulties. And I need to remind myself as well as you that We need to pray for greater things in our lives, to be a part of what the Lord wants us to be on, no matter where we're at. Lord, use me greatly, not just then, but right now. Make me a stronger witness to my family. Make me a fearless missionary to the family across the street. Give me the the boldness to share the love of Christ with my coworker, with my boss. Make me bold in loving the good news of Jesus Christ, to share it, to step out by faith as the world and the flesh and the devil that has too many Christians on their heels. You know what I mean? Being on your heels, if you just stand back and you want to do that yourself, just stand back on your heels, you can't. You're just kind of off balance. You're back, and all somebody has to do is come and flip you on the forehead, and you're going to fall over. And I find too many Christians are all backwards, and sometimes it's because sin you're into. Sometimes you just have a bad attitude. Sometimes you're so self-absorbed that you're just back, and you're always like bowing back and never making any progress. That's not the will of the Lord for you. The will of the Lord for you is to get back on your feet, to move forward, start crawling if you need to, get up and start walking, and get back and run the race so that you can go at the end of your life and say, I have run my race. I have completed it. Don't be on your heels, but press forward in the things that, and it's going to begin by this church just start praying for great things start praying for great things and say god according to john chapter 14 i want to be a part of the great things of jesus it doesn't mean he's going to take all the bad circumstances away and quite frankly he may not do that you may have the answer from heaven my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in weakness you go okay lord i still want to be a part of great things i still want to be used by you I still want to go out running. I want to be able to finish my race with joy. And I pray that in your life as well. The Bible says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. And if you love me, Jesus says, then you obey me. That's the true manifestation of love is obedience. Love is always expressed through action, through obedience. So ask Jesus for great things, church. Love him, obey him. Live your life for him. 
Thank you for joining us today as we study through the Gospel of John and learn of God's abounding grace. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. All this month, we're featuring an excellent book by Scott Sauls titled, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. We all have regrets, hurts, and fears, and they can weigh us down, even make us feel like there's no way out. In Beautiful People Just Don't Happen, you'll learn how God redeems regret, hurt, and fear in the making of better humans. And we'll send it your way for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. Or order it online at calvaryco.store. And thank you for your support, as it allows us to bring the teaching of God's Word to stations like this every day. We're constantly hearing from folks all over the world that are being blessed, and your gifts help to make that possible. You can donate through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Here's a question. How has Abounding Grace blessed you? We want to hear. And it's easy to share your thoughts and prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. We'll return to the Gospel of John next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 